0: I appreciate now is probably not the time to be talking about sandwiches because many of you will be listening to this at 9.30 in the morning and it's a long way until lunchtime. But I think the illustration is a helpful one for understanding the passage that we're looking at today. I think in this passage we have a rich theological filling in verses 18 to 24. And that this filling, the marinade of this filling, if you like, soaks through into the bread on either side. Or put in a more pedestrian way, the theological core of the passage informs the ethical material on either side of it. But I think the sandwich illustration is probably slightly better so that's where i want to start today i want to start with the theological filling that we find in verses 18 to 24. and in verse 18 we hear about a mountain a mountain of blazing fire and gloom and darkness and we hear that it is called mount sinai now i don't know how you picture this when you read the text but i have this kind of post-apocalyptic scene in my head There's the gloom, and there is this tempest raging, according to the text. And out of this darkness comes the lone and terrible sound of a trumpet like a death knell. And then the voice. Oh, what a voice. And this voice speaks words, the text tells us in verses 19 and 20, that made the people beg for God to be silent. A parallel account shows up in Deuteronomy 5 and Deuteronomy 5, it implies that it was the sound of the voice that was so terrible that the people could not bear to hear it. Verse 21 in our passage today says that Moses, and I remember Moses is the friend of God, even Moses was terrified. And so the people, we know from yet another parallel account in Exodus 20, the people move as far away from the mountain as they possibly can because they want to get away from God. This voice has told them that if anything touches the mountain, it will die. And so their only response is not just not to touch the mountain, but to get as far out of there as possible. And in the context of this sheer terror and holiness, God makes a covenant with his people. And he says that he will be their God, And they will be his people. He says to them live holy because I the Lord your God am holy. This the mountain to which Israel came. But, verse 18, you have not come to this mountain. Verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion. You have come to the city of the living God. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, verses 22 to 24. You have come to a mountain that is filled with life, with angels, with believers, with God who is judge of all and with Christ who brings into effect a better covenant and now the reality of God's holiness That Israel so feared that it ran away is now the same reality into which we are invited to step. Without holiness, no one will see God. And so without holiness, the Israelites feared to touch Mount Sinai. The power of God's holiness was so great, the fire was blazing, the darkness was heavy and the sound of his voice so shook the earth that they dared not come near. Such was the power of God's holiness. This, this God who will not be contained, this was Israel's God and also our God. The difference is that we, who have now been made holy in Christ, we don't only get to touch the mountain, but we get to live on it. Now God's not changed. His terrible power has not changed. That he is a consuming fire, it has not changed. He is still holy, he is still fire and his darkness, his glory is still a bright darkness. But what has changed is the sprinkled blood of Christ that now speaks a better word. His holiness in the second mountain picture is now given to us because of the blood of Jesus. And so with holiness, we, the people of the new covenant, now get to see God, we get even one day to live with God on this holy second mountain. Now either side of this theological richness, the filling, we also have two pieces of bread which is what I'm calling the practical instructions. And this bread I want to suggest to you is soaked through with the marinade from this rich theological filling we've just talked about. This marinade is the holiness of God. And so the writer says in verse 14, our first piece of bread, verses 14 to uh, 17, in verse 14 he says, strive for peace and also for holiness because without holiness, No one will see God. The holiness of God that is core there in those two pictures of two mountains is now soaked through into our bread. And so the writer says, be holy. Be holy because the Lord your God is holy. And then he expands on it. Verse 15, he explains that it's received as a grace from God. It's received, actually, we know through the blood of Christ that speaks a better word. He goes on to say, don't let any root of bitterness grow up. your midst. And verse 16, holiness is about giving your body over to God, not seeking short-term physical pleasures, whether it's the physical pleasures of food or of sex, not seeking those things in preference to seeking God. And so the whole theme of that section, that first piece of bread, verses 14 to 17, is a theme of holiness, the marinade of the filling of the middle has soaked through into the first piece of bread and so believers are told as i say in verse 16 not to use their bodies to turn away from god the reference in verse 15 about the root of bitterness is also a reference not to turn your heart or your mind away from god You see, root of bitterness is a phrase that comes up in Deuteronomy, this time 29 verses 18 to 19. And it was a phrase that was used there to describe the Israelites in the desert who turned away from God in their heart, who became rebellious in the core of their being. And so the writer to the Hebrews is saying, not only don't give your body to short-term physical pleasure, but also don't give your mind and heart away to uh, rebellion against God and then he gives the example of Esau who uh, obviously gave up his body in favour of um, short-term physical pleasure uh, and therefore let go of his birthright in God but also turned away in his very heart his very being from God and and the writer says actually you know Esau did eventually seek to change direction he sought to repent but he couldn't And so the writer is offering a warning to us and he is saying to us, and it's this marinade that's soaking through from the middle passage, be holy, be holy because the Lord your God is holy. Then on the other side of the sandwich, it's no different. This is verses 25 to 29. In verse 25, the writer says, see to it, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Now we saw what happened when the Israelites did refuse him who was speaking. He spoke from the mountain and they ran away as far as they could. First they moved back from the mountain but then later on in their journey with God they allowed this bitter root of rebellion to grow up in their hearts. And so the writer says you know if they did not escape when they refused him and as a result they didn't enter the promised land then and this is all in verse 25 how much less will we escape if we refuse the one whose death can make us holy? And so in this, the writer is underlining the seriousness of rejecting Jesus. He says, the earth shook once, and that's a reference to Mount Sinai and God speaking there. The earth shook once until Israel begged that God would speak no more. But now, God has promised not only to shake the earth, but also to shake the heavens. And anything that is not securely rooted in Jesus, anything that is not anchored beyond the veil, as Hebrews 6.19 says, anything that is not set in the Holy of Holies, in the place where Christ has gone on ahead, anything that is not rooted there, will be shaken. Shaken. And so, do not refuse him who is speaking. Instead, verse 28, be grateful that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom that is anchored in that place beyond the veil. Be grateful, let that gratitude shape your life. Worship God, the writer says, with awe, with reverence, because he is a consuming fire, verse 29. And so we get that taste of the marinade again, of holiness. God, the God of the new covenant, the God of this second mountain is the same God as the God of the first mountain. He is a consuming fire even still. And so see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks to you. We've got the marinade, the theological filling, soaking into the bread of these practical instructions again. Because the writer wants us to know that our God is a blazing fire and he does consume. Our God is a blazing fire and he does burn. And the fear of Israel will destroy all that is not holy. So see to it that you are holy because the Lord, your God, is holy. And that has not changed, the writer says. But to those who will worship, to those who will receive the grace that is given them in Christ's blood, who will receive it with gratitude, to those who will worship with awe and with reverence as befits a holy God, to these people. The ones who live lives of holiness without which no one will see the Lord. To these people God is giving a city that cannot be shaken. And the writer wants us to know that he, he references back this idea of the people of the new covenant moving like pilgrims towards a better country, a heavenly one, a city where God and Christ will dwell forever with the people of God. And friends, this is my hope. This is your hope, I think. That the blood of Christ, the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word, that that is what will save us. I don't depend on my own holiness, I can assure you. You, I think, do not depend on your holiness either. We depend on the sprinkled blood of Christ. But that should produce in us then a seeking after holiness, not because it saves us but because we know that without holiness, no one will see God. And that is the gospel truth. If we will worship Jesus, if we will worship him with awe and with reverence, if we will direct our lives towards him instead of away from him in rebellion, if we will let our lives conform to his will for us, if we will give gratitude, then we can be sure that whatever is shaken Whether in the shaking of this pandemic or the shaking that is to come, a much greater cosmic shaking, even so, the kingdom that we are receiving will not be shaken. But let's not let this moment go by because verse 25 says it to us so clearly. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Perhaps the Lord is whispering to us right now in relation to this passage perhaps for some of us we are being called to repent maybe some of us need to turn and face Jesus and say I am sorry that I have chosen short-term physical pleasures above you I am sorry that I have allowed a bitter root of rebellion to grow up in my heart Maybe others of us are being faced today with the sheer holiness of God. Maybe we don't like to think of Jesus as consuming fire. Perhaps we think of him as a bit of a teddy bear, soft, cuddly, safe. And in fact, perhaps he's saying to you and to me today, I am fire, I burn, I consume. Perhaps we need to stir ourselves up again in gratitude for his gift to us and then with the proper reverence and awe in worship that he demands. Because God's Mount Zion is the Mount of Holy Joy. But the God who is God there is also the God of Mount Sinai. He is also the God of holy fear. And this God of holy fear and this God of holy joy are the same God. It's not an Old Testament God and a New Testament God, they are the same God, and he is worthy of our worship. So why don't we turn to him for a moment in prayer, and if you need to repent, take a moment to say sorry in the silence. If you need to renew yourself in gratitude towards him, do that too. And I'm gonna give us a moment of silence and then I'll pray a really short prayer.